This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of juvenile idiopathic arthritis from the pediatric section on orthobullets.com. Juvenile idiopathic arthritis is a persistent autoimmune inflammatory arthritis lasting greater than six weeks in a patient younger than 16 years of age. This was previously known as juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. As far as the epidemiology, joint involvement in juvenile idiopathic arthritis is more commonly seen in the knee, then the hand slash wrist, then the ankle, then the hip, then the C-spine. Females are more commonly affected than males. As far as the genetics of juvenile idiopathic arthritis with respect to HLA markers, DR4 is associated with polyarticular and DR8, DR5, and DR2.1 is associated with posyarticular juvenile idiopathic arthritis. These patients are RF seropositive in less than 15% of cases. This has been a tested point on previous exams, so I'll say it again. Juvenile idiopathic arthritis patients are RF seropositive in less than 15% of cases. As far as diagnostic criteria, this condition is a diagnosis of exclusion. First, you must rule out infection. One of the following must be present to make a diagnosis. That is rash, presence of rheumatoid factor, iridocyclitis, C-spine involvement, pericarditis, tenosynovitis, intermittent fever, and or morning stiffness. Associated conditions with juvenile idiopathic arthritis include C-spine involvement, ocular involvement, or Stills disease. C-spine involvement may lead to kyphosis, facet ankylosis, and atlantoaxial subluxation. Ocular involvement typically consists of iridocyclitis, which is a type of anterior uveitis. This has been a tested point on previous exams, so I'll say it again. An associated condition with juvenile idiopathic arthritis is ocular involvement that typically consists of iridocyclitis, which is a type of anterior uveitis. This is frequently indolent and requires immediate ophthalmologic evaluation for slit lamp examination. Keep in mind that this can lead to a rapid loss of vision if untreated, and there's an increased risk with a positive ANA titer. Stills disease is acute onset juvenile rheumatoid arthritis with multiple joint involvement, fever, rash, and splenomegaly. Infection must be ruled out first. Males and females are equally affected and usually presents at age 5 to 10 years old. As far as the prognosis, 50% of patient symptoms resolve without sequelae, 25% are slightly disabled, and 25% have crippling arthritis or blindness. The best prognosis is posyarticular, which is more involved than polyarticular, which is more involved than systemic. As far as the classification of juvenile idiopathic arthritis, early onset denotes onset before teens, and late onset denotes onset during teens or later. But specifically, the classification of juvenile rheumatoid arthritis is polyarticular in 30% of patients, posyarticular in 50% of patients, this is also known as oligoarticular, and systemic in 20% of patients. Polyarticular, again seen in 30% of patients, has greater than or equal to five joints involved, has small joint involvement, like the hand and the wrist, has symmetric findings, and females are more affected than males. Keep in mind that hand-slash-wrist involvement is most common in the polyarticular form. Deformity is wrist-ulnar deviation and flexion with MCP stiffness in extended, swollen, and radially deviated digits position. Keep in mind that there's a 60% remission rate. Posyarticular, which again is seen in 50% of patients, has less than 5 joints involved, is characterized by large joint involvement like the knees and ankles, has asymmetric findings such as leg length discrepancy, 
and keep in mind that the involved limbs ends up longer. The male-to-female ratio is 1 to 4, and this is typically seen in patients aged 2 to 3 years old. Posiarticular is the most common type, and early onset is associated with iridocyclitis in 50% and chronic uveitis. Make sure to obtain an ophthalmology consult in these patients, as these patients require frequent ophthalmologic exams, specifically every 4 months if ANA positive, and every 6 months if ANA negative. Girls are affected four times more often than boys in early onset. Again, the peak age in these patients is two to three years. Late onset is seen more frequently in boys. Keep in mind that a typical finding in posiarticular juvenile idiopathic arthritis patients is a limp that improves during the day. Finally, keep in mind that posiarticular forms of juvenile idiopathic arthritis has the best prognosis for long-term remission, that is in 70% of patients. Finally, systemic types of juvenile idiopathic arthritis is seen in 20% of patients and is characterized by systemic symptoms such as rash, fever, and multiple joint involvement. These patients will also present with anemia, high white blood cell count, elevated ESR, CRP, and platelets. Systemic juvenile rheumatoid arthritis can also present with hepatosplenomegaly, lymph adenopathy, and or pericarditis. Males and females are affected equally, and this can present between age 5 to 10 years old. The systemic form of juvenile rheumatoid arthritis includes Stills disease and has the poorest prognosis. Patients that present with juvenile idiopathic arthritis have symptoms of morning stiffness and joint pain, visual changes, and or fever. Physical exam may reveal a rash and or iridocyclitis, which can lead to rapid loss of vision if untreated. As far as imaging, radiographs are often negative at presentation. However, there can be juxtaarticular late osteopenia and joint destruction that can be seen if the disease is progressive. Make sure to obtain flexion extension neck radiographs to rule out atlantoaxial instability. This is an important point that has been tested on past exams, so I'll say it again. Make sure to obtain flexion extension neck radiographs to rule out atlantoaxial instability. As far as laboratory studies, the important ones to keep in mind include rheumatoid factor, ANA, and basic serology. With respect to rheumatoid factor, patients are RF seropositive in less than 15% of cases. These cases are associated with a higher incidence of chronic, active, and progressive disease. It often results in more destructive degenerative joint disease, and patients are more likely to progress into adult rheumatoid arthritis. Keep in mind that RF seronegative is more common. With respect to ANA, ANA positive is diagnostic. And with respect to basic serology, values are often normal and not diagnostic. Again, values are often normal and not diagnostic. Treatment of juvenile idiopathic arthritis can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes immunomodulating drugs or DMARDs and frequent ophthalmologic exams. This is the first line of treatment. As far as medications, disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs or DMARDs are a new class of medications that have had significant impact on outcomes. This includes but not limited to etanercept, which is a TNF inhibitor, rituximab, which is a chimeric monoclonal antibody against CD20 on the B-cell surface, and azathioprine, which is a purine synthesis inhibitor. High-dose aspirin slash NSAIDs are another potential medication. Salicylates are now used less frequently, secondary to the success of disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs or DMARDs. Occasionally, gold may be used in these patients, as well as intraarticular steroid injections. With respect to frequent ophthalmologic exams, 
A slit lamp examination should be done twice yearly if the patient is ANA negative and every four months if the patient is ANA positive. Progressive iridocyclitis can lead to rapid loss of vision if untreated. Operative options include synovectomy, epiphysiodesis, which is indicated in a leg length discrepancy, and again, the affected leg is typically longer in oligoarticular disease, corrective osteotomies, which are indicated for extremity deformity. However, this is deferred until skeletal maturity. And finally, arthrodesis and arthroplasty can be indicated for severe disease. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A five-year-old girl presents with an eight-week history of pain and swelling in the right knee, right shoulder, and left elbow after returning from summer camp. She denies any antecedent trauma, fevers, or rashes. Antibiotics prescribed by her primary care doctor have provided no significant relief, but she reports feeling better at the end of the day. Labs reveal a negative rheumatoid factor. Which of the following is most commonly associated with her diagnosis? And the choices are 1. Cardiomegaly, 2. Facial nerve palsy, 3. Uveitis, 4. Lower limb hemihypertrophy, and 5. Meningitis. The correct answer to this question is 3. Uveitis. So in a 5-year-old female without a history of trauma or rashes and with persistent oligoarthritis that improves during the day, the most likely diagnosis is juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Early onset juvenile idiopathic arthritis is associated with chronic uveitis. To quickly review, juvenile idiopathic arthritis is defined by the American College of Rheumatology as persistent arthritis and swelling in one or more joints for six weeks or longer in a patient younger than 16 years of age. It's a diagnosis of exclusion, usually entailing pattern recognition after a thorough history and physical exam. Serologic studies, including rheumatoid factor, anti-nuclear antibody, or ANA, and HLA-B27 may be helpful to rule out other etiologies such as septic arthritis, systemic lupus erythematosus, or rheumatic fever. However, these are neither sensitive nor specific. In patients with juvenile idiopathic arthritis, evaluation for possible uveitis by an ophthalmologist should be considered. Although this patient could have Lyme disease given the likely recent exposure to ticks during her camping trip, the lack of a rash, unresponsiveness to antibiotics, and polyarthritic nature make it less likely. Arvicar et al. compared clinical features of systemic autoimmune arthritis to those of Lyme arthritis. They found that patients with Lyme arthritis usually had a clinical picture of monoarticular knee arthritis, whereas patients with systemic autoimmune arthritis manifested with polyarthritis. They concluded that systemic autoimmune arthritis with or without a history of Lyme disease should be treated with disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs. Punaro et al. reviewed common rheumatologic conditions in children who may present to orthopedic surgeons. For juvenile idiopathic arthritis, they report a typical history of oligoarthritis for six weeks or more in a white female patient with a peak onset between ages one and three years. Uveitis was typically chronic, bilateral, and asymptomatic. They concluded that while serologic tests were useful in excluding other diagnoses, they were less useful in confirming juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Moving on to the next question, a 14-year-old female has anal hemorrhoids. The general surgical team has asked for a consultation in regards to her history of hand, wrist, and ankle joint pain and swelling over the past three years. Her physical examination reveals a swollen left wrist, right knee, and left ankle. Lab work shows low hemoglobin, low albumin, 
elevated ESR, elevated ANA count, and a negative rheumatoid factor. Radiography of the affected joints are normal. What additional workup is required prior to a rectal surgery? And the choices are 1. C-reactive protein, 2. Synovial fluid analysis of affected joints, 3. Blood cultures, 4. Cervical radiographs, and 5. Bethesda assay. The correct answer to this question is for cervical radiographs. So this patient has a diagnosis of juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Flexion extension C-spine radiographs should be ordered to rule out atlantoaxial instability prior to surgery. Juvenile idiopathic arthritis is a persistent autoimmune inflammatory arthritis lasting more than six weeks in a patient younger than 16 years of age. Serologic testing for this condition will usually show elevated ESR slash CRP, low hemoglobin, low albumin, and an elevated anti-nuclear antibody count, as well as a negative rheumatoid factor and positive HLA-B27. Radiographs of the C-spine should be considered in patients undergoing intubation as cervical kyphosis, facet ankylosis, and atlantoaxial subluxation is associated with this condition. Punaro et al. reviewed rheumatologic conditions in children. The typical patient with oligoarticular juvenile idiopathic arthritis is a white female with a 5 to 1 female to male ratio with a peak onset between ages 1 and 3 years. Nearly half of patients have monoarticular involvement with the knee and ankle being most commonly involved. Uveitis is typically chronic, bilateral, and asymptomatic. Borchers et al. reviewed juvenile idiopathic arthritis. They state that no laboratory test can conclusively establish a rheumatic diagnosis. They state that laboratory tests will be negative for systemic inflammation and anti-nuclear antibody or ANA test has no use in screening for juvenile idiopathic arthritis as it has a high false positive rate. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, C-reactive protein is incorrect as both ESR and CRP are usually elevated in this condition and provide no further benefit for operative management of this patient. Answer 2, synovial fluid analysis of affected joints is incorrect as this patient has chronic joint swelling and pain. Joint aspirates and synovial fluid analysis would not be required. Answer 3, blood cultures is incorrect as there is no suspicion for an acute infection, therefore blood cultures are not required. And answer 5, Bethesda assay is incorrect as a Bethesda assay is used to measure the amount of factor 8 or 9 antibody in the blood for patients with hemophilia. Moving on to the next question. A mother brings her four-year-old daughter to you for evaluation of left knee swelling of three months duration. The history, exam, and benign radiographs are consistent with a presumptive diagnosis of juvenile idiopathic arthritis. What would be the most likely result from serum analysis? And the choices are 1. Normal erythrocyte sedimentation rate. 2. Normal rheumatoid factor. 3. Normal C-reactive protein. 4. Elevated anti-streptolysin O antibody or ASLO and 5. Elevated human leukocyte antigen B27 or HLA B27. The correct answer to this question is 2. Normal rheumatoid factor. So the patient's presentation is consistent with oligoarticular juvenile idiopathic arthritis. In these patients, serum rheumatoid factor levels are typically normal. Juvenile idiopathic arthritis most commonly presents in females ages 1 to 3 years old, affecting the knees and ankles most frequently. The diagnosis is one of exclusion, with infection being the most important diagnosis to rule out. The diagnosis is made clinically, with onset of symptoms by age 16, pain in any joint for 6 or more weeks, and exclusion of other diagnoses. 
Punaro reviews the presentation and workup of juvenile idiopathic arthritis, reporting that laboratory analysis alone is rarely diagnostic. Typically, nonspecific inflammatory markers, including ESR and CRP, are elevated, and the blood count may demonstrate leukocytosis and anemia. However, 97% of patients have normal rheumatoid factor levels. HLA-B27 is elevated in only 8% of patients with juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Antinuclear antibodies, or ANA, are so frequently false positive that the test in isolation is considered to have no diagnostic value. Gardner et al. review rheumatologic laboratory interpretation. They recommend that serum ESR, CRP, rheumatoid factor, HLA-B27, ANA, and more be used in conjunction in order to support or rule out certain diagnoses. Moving on to the next question, which of the following statements is false regarding juvenile idiopathic arthritis? And the choices are 1. To meet diagnostic criteria, persistent arthritis must occur in any joint for greater than 6 weeks before the age of 16 years. 2. Radiographic evaluation may be unremarkable. 3. Cervical involvement may lead to atlantoaxial instability. 4. A patient with suspected juvenile idiopathic arthritis should undergo slit lamp examination by an ophthalmologist. And 5. Definitive diagnosis of juvenile idiopathic arthritis is confirmed by serologic evaluation. The correct answer to this question is 5. Definitive diagnosis of juvenile idiopathic arthritis is confirmed by serologic evaluation. So all of the listed options are true statements except for option 5, as definitive diagnosis of juvenile idiopathic arthritis is not confirmed by serologic evaluation. Juvenile idiopathic arthritis, formerly juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, characterizes the onset of chronic arthritis in childhood. The diagnosis is made on pattern recognition with a thorough history and physical exam to exclude other etiologies including septic arthritis, malignancy, rheumatic fever, inflammatory bowel disease, and systemic lupus erythematosus. Serologic testing may be useful to rule out other etiologies of disease. However, rheumatoid factor, antinuclear antibody, and HLA-B27 are neither sensitive nor specific enough to be useful for screening or confirmation testing. Borchers et al. review the classification schemes of juvenile idiopathic arthritis. They report many of these classifications rely on subjective symptoms and do not have serologic tests useful for differentiation. Tucker reviews the etiology and immunopathology of juvenile idiopathic arthritis. New research has been directed and better understanding the genetics and both cellular and humoral immune response prevalent in juvenile arthritis. Ponaro et al. reviews the clinical evaluation and diagnosis of juvenile idiopathic arthritis. The diagnosis relies heavily on history and physical exam. Serologic tests are useful in excluding other possible causes of pain such as septic arthritis, but are less useful in confirming or differentiating the different subtypes of juvenile arthritis. Moving on to the next question, what is the peak period of onset in children with posse-articular juvenile rheumatoid arthritis? And the choices are 1. Before age 2 years, 2. Between ages of 2 and 4 years, 3. Between the ages of 4 and 8 years, 4. Between the ages of 8 and 12 years, and 5. During adolescence. The correct answer to this question is 2. Between the ages of 2 and 4 years. So approximately half of patients with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis have the posse articular form, which by definition includes only patients with fewer than five joints involved. The peak period of onset is between the ages of two and four years, with half of the affected children coming to medical attention before age four years. 
the knee is most often affected with the ankle, subtalar, and elbow joints next in frequency. The average duration of the disease is two years and nine months, with half of the cases lasting less than two years. And moving on to the final question, a four-year-old female is brought by her parents in regards to a right-sided limp that improves during the day and has been present for two months. She's found to have a right knee effusion and associated soft tissue swelling with no redness or warmth. Lab work reveals negative rheumatoid factor, a positive low titer ANA, and a normal white blood cell count. Radiographs are normal for her age. What additional workup does she need? And the choices are one, skeletal survey, two, MRI of the pelvis, three, clotting factor levels, four, ophthalmology evaluation, and five, bone scan. The correct answer to this question is four, ophthalmology evaluation. So this patient has a history and physical findings consistent with juvenile idiopathic arthritis. This type of juvenile idiopathic arthritis specifically has a high association with iridocyclitis, particularly in those with positive ANA studies, that is approximately 20%. Patients with juvenile idiopathic arthritis require an ophthalmology consultation for slit lamp examination to evaluate for anterior uveitis with any type of pupil asymmetry requiring an immediate consultation. Eye involvement can be indolent and lead to blindness if not promptly identified. Due to early treatment of the uveitis, blindness has become a rare complication. That's all for this review about juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.